going to Matthew chapter 3 verses 13 through 17. When Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? Jesus replied let it be done so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning on him. Lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you for this great privilege that you have granted us to come to your throne of grace and look unto you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. You are incomparable, our Lord. There is none like you, Lord. There is no God like you, Lord. You are great in power, great in majesty. You are the creator. You are the sustainer. You are the redeemer. This morning we commit ourselves at your feet, Lord. We pray that you will talk to us this morning. That the name of the Lord be lifted up this morning, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I know in the lips of this servant of yours, Lord, that your children will be blessed. Talk to our hearts, deal with us in a very tender way, Lord. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. For this morning's message, I have given the title, It's All in the Relationship. Matthew chapter 13, in verse 13 of that chapter, we read about the baptism of Jesus Christ. It's a very familiar passage to all of us. We see John the Baptist starting his ministry in verse 13 by baptizing in River Jordan. And Jesus arrives from Nazareth of Galilee at the River Jordan. To be baptized by John. John is trying to prevent him. And he says. Lord. I should be baptized by you. What are you doing here? And Jesus answered him. John. Permit it this time. For in this way. It is fitting for us to. Fulfill all righteousness. And John permitted him, and Jesus was baptized. John was telling Jesus, Lord, this must be a pretty minor thing in your, in your agenda. This is not a big deal for you. You should just ignore it. Maybe this is part of your earthly agenda, 
but i think this is a very minor detail in the whole picture so please do not embarrass me here by making me do this ministry of baptism for you but jesus was saying john it might be a minor thing for you it might be a minor detail for you but to my father in heaven it is a big deal it is something so important that if you will permit me at this time something of the righteousness of god will be falling into place something that is missing in this picture will be complete so please let me have it done this time and john probably understood what jesus was talking about and he allowed him then after being baptized jesus went up immediately out of the water and behold the heavens opened up and he saw the spirit of god descending like a dove and coming upon him and behold a voice of the heaven said this is my son in whom i am well pleased god the father is proclaiming that he is well pleased with jesus god we want to ask you a question here why are you so well pleased with jesus why you broke open the heavens to declare that you are pleased with jesus because he got baptized you know in the history of new testament in the entire new testament there are only three occasions where the heavens open and the father had declared something and this is one of them and it, all three of them happened in the lifespan of jesus in the life story of jesus the other two are in john 12 and matthew 17 in john 12 verses 28 through 29 we read that jesus was predicting his death and he prayed to his father to glorify his name and immediately a voice came from heaven and said i have glorified it and i will glorify it again and then the last one is in matthew 17 verse 5 on the mount of transfiguration when peter said that he will make three tents one for jesus one for moses and one for elijah and there also a bright cloud enveloped them and a voice said from heaven saying that this is my son whom i love with him i am well pleased listen to him god why are you so pleased that you broke open the heavens so early in the ministry of jesus this is only matthew chapter 3 it is just the beginning stage it is so early in his life jesus has not done a thing yet no miracles he has not preached one sermon he has not healed one sick he has not raised the dead or healed the blind it would have been appropriate if god said that 
when he raised up somebody from the dead or calmed the storms in the ocean. He has not even started his ministry yet. Hallelujah. And he has no disciple. Then why did God the Father get so pleased with what Jesus did? At this time, the only thing that is going in favor of Jesus was the relationship with his father. Nothing more. Nothing more. But that was all that was needed. And that is what pleased God. A relationship. And Jesus knew that's exactly what would please his father. God the father says, this is my son. You should not imagine that Jesus was just walking by the neighborhood and he saw John baptizing and he came down and down and said, John, baptize me. I don't know how many of you think about it like that. In Mark 1, if you read, you will see the same thing. There it says, he came from Nazareth in Galilee. That's where his home was. You know, Nazareth is 70 miles away from Jordan. 70 miles away from Jordan. And Jesus was living in Nazareth. Hallelujah. Glories. Can you think of it? There was no transportation there. There was no race horse there. Hallelujah. Jesus must have been preparing at least a week prior to his baptism. Getting ready for this occasion. From home. This was in his mind. This was the only thing in his mind. To be in the will of God. And one morning. Hallelujah. He says goodbye to his dad. Mom. Brothers. And walks all by himself. 70 miles, hallelujah, to please his father. It must have taken him at least a good six to seven days of non-stop travel. And when we read the scriptures, we know that the neighborhoods of Jordan River, they have so many, so many wilderness with wild animals there. And he had to really pass through those places. To be there to be baptized. The journey was treacherous. Wild animals. That's when the words of the psalmist become so relevant. Psalm 91. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Because you are in the will of God. Hallelujah. All by himself. 
no followers no friend no one to talk to but conversing to his father he walked straight to the banks of the river jordan hallelujah jesus knew that this relationship with his father will give him strength to accomplish the task that lay ahead of him so he was to start with an act of obedience in the blueprint that was given to him for john the baptist it was a very trivial thing that is why he raised he resisted jesus when he came down but for jesus this was a demonstration of his obedience to the father in full compliance to his father's plans for him and he would not dare to neglect that it was a purposeful trip designated in eternity that was scheduled well before he descended to earth it was an expression of his relationship with his father and today that is exactly what god expects you and i to do god expects us expects, expects us to have that relationship with us a relationship an obedience as an expression of that that uh, that relationship a relationship is actually what brings meaning to everything else it is completely hollow imitations if we don't have that relationship most of us parents have done this and so i'm going to give you a part of my life story one of the things that excited me when our children were growing up was their school orchestra i would never want to miss that it was before the days of high resolution uh, cell phones with uh, cameras but i have invested in some ca- uh, some camera gear myself just for this moment and i will susan and i will station ourselves all the way up front as our children were performing in that auditorium asha or anita or rebecca as the case may be they will sing they will play an instrument and we will be sitting there and i will not allow myself to miss even a second of their performance on my camera or video camera and we will be waving at them to make sure that they knew we were there as cheerleaders for them clapping for them and we would be looking around with pride at the people around us to announce that she is our child and we will bring some roses to be given at the end also and believe it or not we would never have missed that occasion in exchange for the best performance in carnegie hall by the most renowned singer or a musician why do parents do that is it because their kids are 
out of this world performers? I don't think so. Is it because they don't have anything else to do at that time? No, that's not the reason either. Not at all. I say it's because of that relationship. The very fact that your child is on the stage and that person on the stage is your daughter or son makes you want to forsake everything else and be there. You want to show up and tell them that that little child on the stage matters to you. You are important to me, my child. It is not in the performance. It's in that relationship. That's all that matters. What matters to God is not our performance, but the relationship that we have with him. I want to ask you today, those who are listening to me from this sanctuary and also from elsewhere in their homes, do you have a heart-to-heart relationship with Jesus this morning? Who is Jesus to you this morning? We sang before a lot of things about him. But who is he to you today? We sing that he's the way maker. We sing that he's a miracle worker. We sing that he's a promise keeper. We sing that he's light in the darkness. But you have to remember that he's all those for only those who have a relationship with him. A lot of times we are content with a second-hand relationship with God. A second-hand What do I mean by that? Yes, we were privileged to be born in a Christian family. So you think you are Christians. You are born in a Pentecostal family, so you think you are Pentecostal. You brag about your great-grandfather who left it all and became a follower of Jesus. You brag about a grandfather who was a giant of faith. You even say that your parents had great faith. You have four generations of heritage in faith. Your claim is that you are born in the household of Christians. But do you enjoy a relationship, a genuine relationship with the Lord? It has been said, That God has only children and no grandchildren. Your heritage as a son or daughter of a child of God gives you no extra privilege before God. You must have that personal relationship with Jesus. Hallelujah. Coming to this great church in the fellowship of the saints will not suffice. Hallelujah. We have a great pastor. We have great saints of God with whom you can fellowship. That's all nice. But that is not enough. You must have a relationship with God. Your parents are godly. But that's not enough. You must have a relationship with God. Your husband is Christian. That's good, but that's not enough. You must have a relationship with God. Your wife is a Christian and a praying woman. That's not enough. That's a good thing, but that's not enough. 
You must have a relationship with God. Your child is a born again child of God. He or she has a relationship with God. But brother or sister, unless you have a relationship with God, it does not matter. Second hand relationship with God is not enough. It is not enough that you know about God. You must know God. That's why the psalmist in Psalm 34 says, verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste for yourself. Do you know what God tastes like? Because that's what the psalmist says. Taste and see what the Lord, that the Lord is good. Hallelujah. A relationship, it gives you the power to change. The Bible tells us that God is changing us from glory to glory. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. Hallelujah. And that power to change resides in our relationship with God. God slowly and progressively moves us toward the image of Jesus. Romans 12 2. He says, do not allow the world to press us into its conformity, but conform yourself to the image of God. We must know that it is impossible for us to get our lives together outside of the embrace of God and outside of a relationship with God. Hallelujah. Come to God with all your baggage. Hallelujah. And let his embrace transform us. And it will change you. Recently, I asked a young man whether he attends a church, any church. And his answer was very interesting. He told me, I need to get a little cleaner before I start with the church. That's what he told me. You know, you just can get cleaner without embrace of God. Come just as you are. And the Lord will change you. The power to change resides in the power of his relationship with God. And you will continue to be transformed in the likeness of Jesus. Hallelujah. And you need to enter that covenant relationship with God. You know, there is something very special about the newlyweds. I was one long time ago. The new husband loves everything that the wife does. Everything that the wife likes, the husband likes. And same way, the wife also loves everything that the husband likes. If the husband likes football or basketball or tennis, she becomes an avid fan of those games, even if she never cared for it before. The husband is so excited to spend hours in the department stores while his wife is trying out everything in the store just to choose one item. Even though in the past he hated even the very thought of going to a department store. There is a deliberate attempt to please the other party. The husband becomes an avid admirer of all her relatives too. A young Malayali con husband confessed this to me. Real story. 
this is, I think year, last year or year before. After a long wait, his wife came from India uh, to join him, and he went to India to get married, and after a long time, she came over. And this was before the COVID season, obviously. And the climax in their relationship occurred when she made him that fish curry for the first time. She was so excited to make it for him because he loved fish curry. He was also excited that this is the first time somebody made fish curry for him, exclusively for him. And uh, at dinner time, he came to the realization that this was the first time his wife made fish curry. And it was, it was undoubtedly fish curry. There was a slimy fish floating in the red curry. And the smell was unmistakably fish. Sure, holding his breath at, at each, each bite, he pushed it down, down his throat. His wife made it just for him. He found strength in that he could only get better from there. And I asked him something. What made you eat it? Why didn't you tell him? Did you tell him? Tell your wife. You know, he said, no, doc, I didn't tell him. Tell her. It's all in the relationship. That's what he said. It's all about the relationship. And she said, then he added, she said, today she makes some of the best fish curry. The one you love more than anyone else in the world. It's not in the fish. It's in the relationship. It is the relationship that validates the fish curry. If it is just for a fish curry, you could have gone anywhere and gotten fish curry. But it's a relationship that validates everything else. It's the, it's the relationship that validates our worship. It is the relationship that validates our singing and our praying and our clapping hands. It is the relationship that validates everything else. And that's what God exactly wants from us. A relationship with us. On the cross of Calvary, that's what he prepared for us. He entered into a common relationship with us. Hallelujah. When you accept Jesus as your Savior, you are, in fact, entering into a covenant relationship with the triune God. Without this covenant, I want you to listen to me carefully. Without this covenant relationship, you are outside. You are outside the redemption of God for you. Without this relationship, you are outside the purpose of God for you. Without this relationship, you are outside the promises and the prophecies for you. And without this relationship, you are outside the mission for you from God. God loves to have this covenant relationship with us. And that is why he sent his son to die on the cross for us. God in his love wants no one to perish. He is love 
His love is the ultimate love. He is the embodiment of love. And his name is love. At the same time, there is the righteousness of God that demands judgment and punishment. God in his righteousness cannot allow sin to go unpunished. Exodus chapter 34 verse 6 and 7 goes, As he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. There seems to be a conflict there. God, God's love screams mercy and forgiveness. At the same time, God's righteousness calls for judgment. And what did God do? He sent his son to die on the cross on behalf of us. The cross of Calvary. I want you to listen to me. The cross of Calvary is the only place in the history of the universe where the love of God and the righteousness of God met at one point. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The cross satisfied the demands and the requirements of the love of God and also the righteousness demands of the, God, of the Lord. Hallelujah. The Son of God carried away the sins of the world and became the Lamb of God to die instead for you and, for, and me. When you come closer to the cross and understand the immense price that God paid for this relationship with us, whatever changes that he demands becomes easy for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why this cross is the centerpiece of our faith. Hallelujah. And also, this relationship gives us the power to change. Hallelujah. If something God asks you to do seems so tough, whether it is to change an attitude, change a lifestyle, change an affiliation, or to ask for forgiveness or forgive somebody, to get closer to a spouse, or get closer to your parents, or to children, then look to the cross. Come closer to the cross. It will become easy for you. That is why the cross is the central piece of our faith. I also want to bring him another point. This relationship with God gives us the power to forgive. The same relationship that gives us the power to be transformed, gives us the power to forgive. God forgives us because of that relationship. Covenant relationship is a forgiving relationship. Forgiving those who offended us is not easy. In fact, those who have been hurt multiple times find it very hard to forgive. But when we get to know the love of Jesus, and when we get closer and closer to him, we begin to see how much he forgave us. 
how much he raised from our criminal records against heaven when we realize how much he loved us when we deserve the least our hearts should be so eager to forgive others who offended us hallelujah forgiveness was not given to us on the magnitude of our deservedness we live in a world of entitlements i am entitled for this i am entitled for that etc some of us feel so strongly that we are entitled for all our privileges but the bible teaches us that as sinners our legitimate entitlement is only for the wrath of god and the eternal punishment of god that's why apostle paul is crying out in colossians chapter 3 verses 5 through 10 put to death everything whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality impurity lust evil desires and greed which is idolatry because because of these the wrath of god is coming and at the end he says some of you were just like this forgiveness was given to us because of his love in spite of our undeservedness in the parable of the two sons and the father the famous story named the prodigal son the younger son returns home after squandering everything he squandered his father's wealth he wasted his health he indulged in pleasures and he lost everything and the only valuable thing left in his inventory was the memory of his father's love his father's house in it is this memory that brought him back to his father it is the restoration of that sonship that restored everything for him after that have you ever thought of this i want to ask you something why didn't the father go out looking for his son who left him or send his he could have even send his servants after him he didn't you know there are three parables in luke 15 the parable of the lost sheep the parable of the lost coin and the parable of the lost son the very first two the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin jesus was trying to teach us that there is a god who loves us and goes out in search of a lost sinner and bring that person back to him in the but in the parable of the lost of of the two sons there is a slight difference in the case of the younger son the father did not go after the son who left him the younger son went went away from his father on his own on his own free will he did that he was living in that house he was in relationship with that father before he had enjoyed all the privileges in that home He enjoyed the privileges and the responsibilities in that house. He enjoyed the fellowship with his father. He also knew his blessings as a son and that's why he one day came and asked for his share. He decided to leave his father and try it on his own. He thought out a plan over several days 
and finally came to his father and carried out the plan. I, to I told you earlier about Jesus thinking about what he had to do at least a week prior to his doing it. This son also was thinking about something several days in advance. How he could run away from his father. So it was not a spur of the moment decision. Hallelujah. Days in advance. The father was grieved. His heart was broken. But this is what the younger son wanted. I want to bring home something to you today. You were once in the house of God. You enjoyed the fellowship with God the Father. And the fellowship with the saints of God. You were enlightened. You have tasted the heavenly gift of God. The Holy Spirit. You have tasted the goodness of the word of God. But you have fallen away. Today, you live in a far country. I want to remind you of the loving father who is still waiting at home for you. For your return. Come back to him. His embrace is all you need. And his embrace is all that matters. Come back to that relationship with God. He has a heart that will forgive you. But there is more to that story before I finish. Did the father go after the last? I say yes, he did. Read Luke chapter 15 verse 28. It goes like this. The older brother, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. This is the son who lives in the house, but he thinks he's only a slave. He says, I slaved for you. How much more lost can you be even when you are inside the house of God? This father came out of the house and meets him where he is. Hallelujah. And is pleading with him to come in. Hallelujah. This is a story that ends there. But this is an unfinished story. The father is still seeking the lost sons. Hallelujah. This afternoon, may I urge you to Enter into a loving relationship with God. In view of the mercies of God, I want to plead on behalf of God. Come and enter into a relationship with God. If you never had experienced this relationship, I want to present to you Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you. By believing in him, you receive eternal life. The Father is pleading with you to establish that relationship with Him and come inside this house. But if you are someone who enjoyed this relationship once and is in a far country today, come back to the Father and reestablish the relationship. His arms are wide open for you. Let this relationship be the defining factor in everything else that we are and everything else that we do. Hallelujah.
Let me repeat that. Let our relationship with the Father be the defining factor in everything that we do and everything that we are. Because that is the one thing that will make an eternity of difference for us. May the good Lord bless us with this word.